Greetings, film fans. Welcome to episode one of The Big Review Ski, the brand new, very shiny film podcast from Joe and her, and the perfect place to get your film fix. Uh, thanks for listening, first of all. My name is Owen Doherty, and like any major, big-budget Hollywood production, we've got an all-star cast joining us today. Um, I don't think we have any budget, really, but uh, <laughs> we couldn't really afford any all-stars. But we are joined by Rory Cashin. Hello. Hello there. Uh, Paul Moore. Thank you for having us. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. And uh, and Laura Holland. Hello, Hello. there. So uh, I was thinking, like, you know, will we just introduce ourselves some kind of, like, awkward dating profile type thing? But uh, it is a film podcast, so we should just, like, you know, a little bit about ourselves in terms of what's our favourite film? You, um, you want to go first, then? No, I, I need to think of mine. <laughs> so I want all of you to go first. Well, uh, you know, I want Laura to go first. No, you no. know why. I don't I'm know why. Well, hold on, because, because uh, the listeners do not know why, and I don't know why. So, Laura, what is your favourite film? Well, I teased it and said that you'll all judge me, so here it goes. We're going to do that anyway. It is a little movie called Ever After, and I presume none of you have ever seen it. Drew Barrymore? Yes. Yep. Paul's a big fan. Straight in there. So I was obsessed with Cinderella as a child. She was my number one Disney star. And then when they brought out a live action, like real one with like a real storyline, I was hooked. So we're going to have an ever after segment pretty much every week. Every week. Okay, Paul, what about you? It's the classic Mac and Me it's uh, wonderful. It's uplifting. It's traumatic. It's rip off. It's crap. It's brilliant. It's it's, it's, just fun. it's just fun for the whole family. You're st- that's your final answer? You're and it is the Mac worst case of product placement you'll ever find. I, I kind of want to change mine now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And what about you, Rory? Uh, mine's a bit more boring. It's Aliens, mm. or as uh, stu- stupid people call it, Alien 2. You're, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're such a cool film person. You're going for the cool option. Well, like, Why did you pick Mac what, or what me? Why did you pick Mac or me? Ever after. <laughs> they were taken. I didn't want to just like, repeat what everyone else has already said. Okay, so you're sticking with Aliens. You're going to stick okay. with Aliens. Um, does anyone want to, want to know mine? Do you want to know mine? Go on, sure. Okay. I'm just going to go... I'm, yeah, this is pretty predictable. It's Indiana Jones and... Uh, okay. Good choice. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. That, you can just watch it repeatedly. You chose yeah. well. That's a line from the... <laughs> Last uh, Crusade. That's a Crusade. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you got the wrong film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Welcome to our expert film podcast. There'll be misquotes galore. So, uh, obviously, uh, we're going to be doing this every single Thursday, putting it out there. Everyone wants to know what's on in the cinemas. Uh, we're hopefully here to chat about what's good, what's not so good, but we want you uh, to do the same. We want you to get in touch and let us know because you will hopefully be... I know we're all just talking to our mammies at the minute, but... There hopefully will be more people. You will be the Big Review Ski Film Club. It's your podcast too. Um, you can't actually come in the studio for like health and safety reasons. Uh, there's only room for the four of us here. Uh, but no, please do get in touch. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Review Ski, uh, on Facebook at Big Review Ski. And we want you to get in touch on WhatsApp as well. Do we have a number? It's uh, 087 400 1103 that's 087 400 1103 and we'd like you not like weird pictures or anything <laughs> like that or uh, incorrect text, mes- uh, text messages we want you to get in touch um, with those little voice memos uh, just in terms of the films that we're talking about and what mm-hmm. you think and your opinions and uh, and yeah and if you want to argue with Paul about uh, <laughs> how great or not so great Mac and me is <laughs> I will win Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, we're going to kick things off with a look at the top 10 films that are out in the Irish box office uh, at the minute. So these are in cinemas uh, right now. Kicking things off at number 10 uh, is animated film. Um, it's on its way out. It was obviously big over Christmas. It's Ferdinand. 
pretty much all you need to know about that is it's John Cena as yeah. an enormous bull. So that's that sold it's, it for me. It is John Cena as as a cartoon. As a cartoon, true, it, yeah. as a nor he is huge. Uh, number nine is Pitch Perfect Three. Now, Roy, you've had a look at this. I did. Yeah, I almost didn't go to see it because I really disliked uh, Pitch Perfect Two, which is the same reason why you haven't yeah. seen it either. Isn't it? I didn't go to see it because I was like, I don't want to be disappointed for a second time. Yeah. So were you as disappointed as the second one? Uh, no, it could be because my expectations were lower because I was like, here we go. But it is slightly funnier than the second one, even though it does essentially just repeat the plot of the first two over and over again they sing and that's it oh I suppose like the the magic of the first one was in the acapella performances and, and the, the tunes song. like and the cup song oh, yeah, yeah, of course um, but what about this one are the tunes any good are the performances any good they're, they're okay uh, there's, a, there's a lot will you of, sing one no okay uh, <laughs> there's a lot of plot in it um, like John Lithgow is in it who I had no idea he was in this film but he's in it as Rebel Wilson's dad and oh, he completely okay. strangles the Australian accents over the course of the film and he's involved in this weird like drug dealery terrorist plot and you're just trying to figure out what the Pitch Perfect sorry are we still talking it. about Pitch Perfect yeah three? okay yeah um okay. Yeah, so it's, a, it's like kind of a mess, but it is better than the second one. Okay. Uh, number eight, we have Star Wars The Last Jedi, Paul. Uh, now, we know you're uh, a massive Star Wars fan. Anyway. Are you? Laura, Laura and Rory, not so much. <laughs> I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> it's, well, to begin with, it's bulletproof. It doesn't really matter what anyone says about Star Wars. It's still going to make a bajillion, bajillion at the box office, and it's done really well. I found that it's, it's a fallout has been more critical from the fanboys but I went to see it with someone who's kind of new to the whole franchise and they loved it so it's the people that seem to be really revenant and kind of really like on the internet 3am going through theories and re-watching the stuff seem to be very very preachy about it but I found it really really good um, it does lag in the middle uh, and but for my money it probably has the best performance in the saga with Mark Hamill I think he was brilliant throughout and I can see 100% the reason why Disney gave Ryan Johnson the next trilogy because, you know, it does open it up. Uh, and, yeah, it's you can't really win when you make a Star Wars film because everyone is going to be good, bad or indifferent. Like, J.J. Abrams got slayed for doing the same thing, which you felt for New Hope. Ryan Johnson's done something completely different and he's still getting slated. slated so, anyway, yeah. But it, it is it is very, very good. I'm sure if you can sit through the original prequels with Jar Jar Feck and Binks, you can watch this. That's true. Now, you mentioned fanboys there. How many times have you seen the film? I saw it twice in the first day and then I went back the with the girlfriend. In the first day? Yeah. yeah. How long is the movie? It's. I think it's It's the longest one. It's Not long enough, 20. says Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not long enough. Uh, two hours 20 with scenes left out. Like Tom Hardy's scene was cut and so yeah, there's obviously another cut that's coming soon. So. Do, you, do you plan on going to see it again? <laughs> oh yeah. The, the reason it's broken all those box office records Paul. is all because of Paul Moore. <laughs> yeah. It's Star Wars. Uh, so, <laughs> it's taken all the money in the world. Hello, Segway alert. Number seven well is all <laughs> the money in the world. Ooh. Now, uh, Ridley Scott film obviously surrounded uh, in controversy recently because uh, Kevin Spacey uh, was recast last minute following allegations uh, of his conduct uh, but was recast with Christopher Plummer and Rory you've had a chance to see it so yep. is this like you know chop chop cuts everywhere is Christopher Plummer like what, what's the crack well no because uh, most of Christopher Plummer's scenes are either him by himself or him in the now infamous reshoots with Mark Wahlberg and uh, Michelle Williams and there's an even more controversy about that initially because he was like I want one and a half million or I'm not doing it yeah, this um, was in the this was in the news a lot. So Michelle Williams, uh, well, the reports have said she was like, 
I'll go wherever you need me. Mm. I will shoot whatever you need me to shoot. I'm more than happy to do that. For like $80 a day, like she was working minimum. And then Wahlberg had worked out some deal where he was due one and a half million. And if he didn't get it, then he had a co-star clearance or something so it was it was his call whether Plummer actually got the, the part incredible and he made everybody eat Wahlburgers on set as well <laughs> like force fed them <laughs> but to his credit doesn't he donate the money to the Times Up campaign eventually yeah, since, yeah, yeah, since, yeah. since those reports came out well what about the film itself because the trailer uh, has looked incredible because it's based on this true life uh, kidnapping yeah, yeah we, we talked about the trailer because I'd seen the film before I seen the trailer and when I watched the trailer I was like oh this looks really exciting for a film that I've already seen and no, actually isn't that exciting. Uh, it's too long. Plummer's amazing in it. Uh, but everyone seems to be acting in like three different films. Wahlberg is just being Wahlberg. Michelle Williams is almost in Dynasty or Dallas. Like her performance is like off the wall. And then Plummer is just pure evil. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, more, uh, it's more interesting than good. Okay, would you recommend it? No, because okay. <laughs> uh, I think Danny Boyle is telling the exact same story sometime later this year, so I'd probably hold out for that one. Worth waiting for Danny Boyle's. Uh, number six is The Greatest Showman, which is this has been a passion project for Hugh Jackman, who is uh, basically the story of uh, P.T. Barnum, a guy who invented, you know, uh, freak shows and like taking circuses on tour. And when you hear Hugh Jackman talk about it, he is so passionate and he's like, it was this wonderful man. He did all these incredible things, P.T. Barnum. Uh, but the reaction to the film has been, he was a horrible man. <laughs> and he exploited a lot of people, like uh, ladies with moustaches, men who were abnormally tall. So um, a lot of tall men don't like the film. But uh, yeah, that's number six at the minute. Uh, number five, Darkest Hour. And uh, Roy, you had a chance to see this one. Yeah, I uh, totally understand why Gary Oldman's winning every award going. Um Aside from that, like this is, oh. Well, Gary Oldman, because he is playing, uh, people may have seen the posters for Darkest Hour. Uh, he plays Winston Churchill. Yeah. But he's entirely unrecognisable. Uh, I still think it's Christopher Plummer under there. He's just playing every <laughs> every role in Hollywood. But uh, yeah, so what? It's set around, uh, well, Churchill obviously making important decisions. Yeah, it's just like him taking over power in England and then leading up to that big triumphant speech of we will fight them on the beach is the stuff that you've kind of heard at the end of Dunkirk okay um, or, or like it's the you could almost watch these back and back back to back like you could go and watch a speech from Darkest Era and then go watch an action scene from Dunkirk and see how the two of them play out simultaneously um, but yeah it's just it's a lot of showmanship a lot of acting but not a lot of very interesting stuff happening. Okay. What about Oldman's performance, uh, even with all the, the kind of the heavy duty makeup on He's, him? He's like, he can act through that. Do you remember him in, was it Hannibal, where he mm-hmm. plays, mm. uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the guy who never left the bed and he had like really scarring makeup and like one eyeball and he was just incredible. Like, he can act through that, no problem. He is legitimately one of the best actors ever. So, of course, he's going to win everything if he acts as Winston Churchill. Perfect. Uh, number four is Insidious, The Last Key. I think this is the 37th film in the <laughs> Insidious series. Now, it's obviously up relatively high uh, in uh, the Irish box office at the minute because Irish cinema audiences, we seem to love uh, schlocky kind of horror. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is this, it's actually the fourth film in the series. Fourth in release, but I think the second chronologically. Okay. I think it takes place before Insidious 1. 
Okay. Because the end of the film that kind of the rest of us are going to leave the podcast. I just want to explain the chronology of the end of the last key is the is the opening scene of the first movie. Okay, it's like Dunkirk and Darkest Hour. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly like that. Just like those. Um, is it because uh, you know Irish film fans will be flocking to see it anyway? Mm. Worth going to see Insidious as a horror fan? It's all right. It's very. Were you scared? Low key. Uh, um, n- there's a few actually good, decent jumps in it, but the plot is all over the gaff. Like, it's real messy. But it is nice to see a, I think she's 70 year old actress, is the lead in a horror film, which you never see because normally it's teenagers running in the woods in their underwear. Okay. And this, it's an intelligent 70 year old woman going, don't go in that room, there's a ghost in there. Not running through the woods in her underwear. No. Okay. No, okay. Heavens for that. Number three, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Um, how did everybody feel about this kind of this reboot of uh, Jumanji films? Because mm. I suppose the original one is probably pretty precious to, to most of us. I was slightly cynical when I heard the plot because I was like, OK, being transported into the video game, uh, getting The Rock as a dude because like, it's The Rock and, you know, who doesn't love The Rock? He rocks. But actually going into it, it was a hell of a lot of fun and really, really cleverly slotted in around Christmas time because I think everyone was getting bored of Star Wars apart from me which we've established <laughs> but you know it's just really really lots of fun uh, Karen Gillan was very good the set pieces are good and I really really enjoyed it I don't know about you Rory and Laura I, I didn't see it for the reason that Owen said I, I loved Jumanji the original and I just don't know if you can touch that and then I have to disagree I think The Rock in that kind of scenario he's in so many other things like why why do you need to shove him in there because he can he make makes money a lot <laughs> exactly. of money I know and Kevin Hart as well I'm like uh, yeah, oversaturation personally yeah. uh, now I thought it was fun I thought it was a lovely nod in a tooth of first Jumanji uh, but halfway through the film yeah like, oh, the Robin was, Williams that was, that was nice. Alan Parrish was that was yeah. the character yeah um, and yeah, like it's it's decent and it's making crazy bank now that everyone actually has gone to Star Wars. It's up to like that's Rory Cool's pick for a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the money in the All world. All the money. I think it's up to like seven hundred million now or something. Like it's doing really well. And everyone thought it was like, oh, you're going up against Star Wars, you're going to flop. But I think worth going to see if you're in the mood for uh, yeah, just a fun day out. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, number two is Coco, the latest uh, animated release from Pixar. Uh, studios who just have obviously this incredible reputation for producing uh, really high quality films that make you really emotional. <laughs> um, now the uh, the director of the film, Leon Crick, uh, is in Ireland uh, mm-hmm. at the minute so we will be uh, having an interview with him uh, coming up next week hopefully. Um, <laughs> if he lets us into his hotel we're coming for you Lee. <laughs> no it's all official there's nothing illegal involved. Um, but Laura you've had a chance uh, to yeah. see Coco so um, in terms of uh, you know the amazing track record that Pixar has does this live up to the quality that we're used to like 150% it's it's about the emotion like I'm a crier let's be honest I cry at a lot of things I, I cry at reruns of Friends <laughs> but they, they can't see but you're crying right I know <laughs> but um, it got me there's so many points along the movie where in one particular scene I still was crying from the other ones and it got me even more. Like I'm out of tears Um, here. Exactly. I've no more left to give. Um, It was like, you know, that scene in um, Toy Story 3, it's like that. And I haven't actually cried in a Pixar since Toy Story 3. So I didn't think it was possible again. Did you not cry the whole way through uh, Inside Out as well? I I think I'm dead inside (laughs) because I did not cry at all for Inside Out. Bing bong. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, tell us, uh, (laughs) Rory's in shock while you're still reeling from that shock. In terms of Coco, what have they gone for? Because they always pick an amazing 
kind of story uh, as as the you know the kind of to, to theme the entire look of the film around. Well, it's it's Mexico, it's Mexico, and the Dia de las Muertes, the Ooh, Day of the Dead. Right. Uh, very nice. Um, I was just going to go for the Day of the Dead. Off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bueno, um, but yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. They've obviously taken a lot of inspiration from. Uh, Mexican kind of artwork and it is beautiful to look at and there's an awful lot of music into mm-hmm. it as well like it's not a musical but there's a lot of music in it yeah. Um, and it's just it's fantastic to look at absolutely beautiful and I second Laura there was a scene in this that absolutely destroyed me was it the specific scene involving the granny oh yes and I was not running through the forest in her underwear again no <laughs> no different granny different uh, it was an emotional wreck I just yeah I think it is their best one since uh, Inside Out because the ones before this were mm. Cars 3 The Good Dinosaur and Finding uh, Dory wasn't it Finding Dory oh well yeah. I, I have a special place in my heart for Finding Dory the shell scene Oh, the clam. Oh. The clam. No, not the clam. Oh, the, me and Owen, we just not love the, the clam. clam. Love the clam. Um, <laughs> now, if you're a music fan, you've actually, there's quite a musical selection of films out there at the minute between Pitch Perfect 3, uh, The Greatest Showman, uh, Coco. I don't know if Gary Oman does any Winston Churchill tunes, but uh, Coco's probably the, 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 the strongest of the bunch there anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. The okay. next one has a great soundtrack as well. Super soundtrack number one uh, film that uh, Irish audiences are going to see at the minute still in cinemas because it's just been released uh, is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri a lot of chat around this film um, for various reasons obviously a massive Irish film because uh, it's directed by Martin McDonough um, <laughs> we'll take him he's got an Irish mommy and daddy so he's ours <laughs> um, of course he directed uh, In Bruges um, much loved film and as well Francis McDormand's performance as uh, as kind of the, the mother in the film now the three of you um, have seen it so I just want a simple is it worth going to see is it worth all the hype because it won you know Golden Globes as well a lot of talk around uh, it ahead of the Oscars Rory worth going to see absolutely and I would be very surprised if Francis doesn't beat Saoirse first name terms Ooh. with them already Ronan uh, Really, you would go for uh, Francis McDormand's performance ahead of Saoirse yeah. Williams? Like we'll talk about Lady Bird more when it when when, it, when we get to that week, but uh, she's brilliant in it. But I think Francis is is more showy. Okay, Paul. For me, it was my favorite film I've seen so far this year, and I got to see the post, which we'll talk about and a you've bit seen later. Star Wars ninety eight, <laughs> right, and I I absolutely love this. I'm I'm really really excited because I thought it was too dark and maybe a bit too different. For the Golden Globes, I thought it was one of the, one of the one of those films nominated for six and misses out on six. But the fact it got best drama, I'm thinking, okay, it's got a bit of momentum. Finally, let's see how far we can push it. Um, I'm a huge, huge Sam Rockwell fan. Loved them since since I first saw him. I think it was Galaxy Quest, Moon, way way back. Um, I don't. I think there's even in bad films, he's one of those actors you sit down and really watch, and he's effortlessly brilliant throughout this. And the scenes between McDormand and Woody Harrelson is just an acting master masterclass that. I, I just can't there's not no superlatives I absolutely loved it are you going to cry are you alright <laughs> but there's a lovely uh, uh, McDonough has he's such a flair for writing as well but there's a lovely message as well that you think the film's going to be one thing at the start and then it completely flips on its head and the supporting cast is fantastic uh, you got um, Peter Dinklage Game of Thrones as well it's just a sign of a really good script not every character you see on screen you kind of want to know their backstory you know there's no there's nothing wasted and it's just a really, really clever tale. And for someone like in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths with such kind of a focus on violence, it's very clever in how it subverts that what you think it's going to be. 
and by the end of it Rory has a really good piece you can read on the site about the ending how it, how kind of perfectly it sums it up I, again I just go see it really go see it <laughs> Laura yeah amazing I what I loved about it obviously everything that Paul said but it made me feel really uneasy watching it and I love that because it takes you out of your comfort zone but not in like a horror movie type way so at one point I was actually like I don't know if I want to watch this anymore um, the window scene uh, after that and I just I think that is what makes a movie brilliant that you are literally transported out of yourself and are like I can't watch this because I don't know what's going to happen um, no, I can't wait to see it. Uh, going to see it this weekend. Um, but definitely, that's <laughs> resounding recommendation mm, there. Anyway, one thing is the deer. It it won't break. The, it won't ruin the plot for you. Okay. But they just have a deer in it, and I I mean, come on, Hollywood. Can you not get a better deer? Okay. <laughs> it was like a cartoon. So whoever was in the deer suit wasn't good enough. No, okay. Bambi made an appearance, basically. <laughs> um, for interviews with uh, Mark McDonough and Sam Rockwell uh, as well, Roy, you got a chance to... to me- I know his name is Rockwell. I just said it wrong. <laughs> Rockwell. Okay. Rockwell. Rock. Sam Rockwell. But uh, there are interviews uh, with both of them uh, up on Joe mm-hmm. as well. So uh, nice guys. Uh, yes, yes, Sam Rockwell's wearing the loudest shirt I've ever heard. I heard. <laughs> See, you can hear it, it's so loud. It, it is, give me tinnitus. Uh, yeah, no, he was a be- uh, beautiful man to talk to. Speaking of beautiful men uh, to talk to, uh, this week we have uh, an interview with, this is the big interview on the mm. big review ski. There's a lot of bigs in there. But he is a big man, it's Liam Neeson. Uh, so his brand new film, uh, The Commuter, is out in cinemas this Friday, uh, 19th of January. Um, again, he's sticking in the Jerry Actioner role here. Uh, both Rory and Laura, you both got a chance to meet him uh, yeah. whenever yeah. he was doing the rounds. Uh, I'm sure everyone saw the news reports. He was obviously on uh, with Ryan Tuberty on the Late Late Show there recently. Uh, and there was a lot of fallout from that particular interview. And we'll get to that. But first of all, um, here's a, a wee clip from his brand new film, co-starring Vera Farmiga. Uh, this is Liam Neeson, The Commuter, and uh, followed by Rory's interview with him. What if I asked you to do one little thing? Someone on this train does not belong. All you have to do is find them. Why would I do it? There's a hundred thousand dollars. You have until next stop to decide what kind of person are you. I am not going to do this. They will kill you, your family, and everyone on that train. If the train don't kill me, the people will. Tell me about it. The Commuter. Liam Neeson, how are you keeping today? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, congratulations on the movie. Um, I understand you've talked a lot about coming to the end of the action part of, uh, of your CV. Really disappointed we didn't get to see an Irish action film, though. Is there no uh, wants to set one here? Well, now, hold on, let's get the record straight. Okay. You guys have been talking about me finishing action movies. Okay. I flippantly said a silly remark at the Toronto Film Festival in September last year. But right. About uh, come on, guys! They asked when was my next action movie. I said, guys, come on, give me a break. I'm 65. <laughs> but it was said flippantly. And so there is there is still hope for Liam Neeson. Yeah, a couple more. There's movie. a couple more. Yeah, actor Irish, sure, I'd love to do one. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a great time for uh, Irish film right now. What with uh, Saoirse and McDonough. Sure, absolutely. Uh, have you got a lot of hope for them with the Oscars? Uh, yes, I do. I haven't seen Martin's film yet. Uh, I saw Circe's the other night. I thought she was wonderful. Terrific film. Uh, you're far more uh, physical in this, I find. You've a l- fantastic action scene with fellow Irish actor uh, Killian yeah. Scott. Where the two of you do look like you're properly 
punching lumps out of each other. Yeah, was that what you were you saying? Like, I want to really get like properly into this fight scene because it looks fantastically choreographed. Oh, thanks. Well, I have a choreographer. We've done nineteen films together. Wow. Uh, Killian didn't get hurt. I didn't get hurt. Um, and we rehearsed them very, 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 very closely and repetitively. And uh, <clears throat> and that way, no one gets hurt. Um, and Killian is great to have a little fight with. Yeah. yeah he's terrific. Uh, you have another film coming up with another fellow Irish actor, uh, Colin Farrell. You're both in yes. Widows. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, what can I tell you about it? Uh, Viola Davis and a good bunch of great actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a heist movie. Colin's in it. I'm in it. And uh, Steve McQueen's the director. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was terrific. I really liked working with him a lot. We shot it in Chicago last summer. Is that your first time yourself and Colin working together, isn't it? That was the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, if I understand it, the widows of uh, criminals. So who plays your wife or... Do one of the actresses play your wife in the film? Uh, I'm Viola Davis's husband. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, have you seen an awful lot? Well, I've seen an awful lot lately of Qui-Gon Jinn conversation. Uh, and, you know, upcoming there is a young Han Solo movie. Yes. So if you were on the casting couch, who would you cast <laughs> as a young Qui-Gon Jinn, as a young Liam Mason? Um, well, with CGI, it would have to be me. Sure. Just, just make me <laughs> we say you were having a sick day. Who who would you have as as a young you? I don't know. Maybe Killian might be good. Actually, that's a great show. Actually, yeah, really, really good show. Yeah, Killian would be good. Fantastic, Liam Neeson. Thank you so much. Thank you. There he is, Liam Neeson, the man himself. So um, obviously, the commuter released in Irish cinemas this Friday. There's a couple of things that he brought up there that uh, would be great to talk about Rory if you don't mind um, obviously Killian Scott mind. Killian Scott uh, being a bit of casting for a young Qui-Gon Jinn that's obviously uh, important He's his first work with Colin Farrell that's really exciting but there is just one particular moment um, that I think we all need to talk about and can we just this is the very start of the interview again and Liam Neeson is uh, <laughs> a terrifying man from his action films anyway mm. but uh, so this is just the opening exchange between the pair of you again really disappointed we didn't get to see an Irish action film now. Is there no uh, ones to set one here? Now hold on, let's get the record straight. Okay. You guys have been talking about me finishing action movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How scary was it in that moment when Liam Neeson listening to your question, yeah, and he goes now hold on a second. <laughs> it was the octave drop. It was because previously he had, like, he's a nice kind of airy voice, but then he took on the phone call from Taken voice yeah. and I was like huh? and he basically said you guys and I was like well, I personally haven't said anything about your, I'm asking what what you had said and then he's like yeah I said that previously and how dare you run with something I had previously said I was like he's, okay. he's blaming you for every <laughs> film journalist report in the world for something he, he had said for something that he had said <laughs> yeah but that's his skill like you know he'll turn it to, it's a very particular set of skills he'll turn it back <laughs> on you but uh, yeah let, we'll just get it one last time because the okays are the most terrified okays I think I've ever heard <laughs> now hold on let's get the record straight okay <laughs> said, okay okay, okay. Um, now in speaking uh, of the film itself uh, as we said co-starring uh, Killian Scott for Farmiga um, what like <laughs> I'm looking at the trailer here and I'm saying you know 
all out action. He's playing, you know, quiet, mild manner kind of businessman. Mm-hmm. Start of the day, you know. Uh, I think the the premise, as they say in the trade, you know, he's made this journey every single day. But none of them have been like this particular day. Mm. So um, set up, obviously, given some kind of challenge on the train. Yeah, the train is a bit uh, confusing because she's like, what would you do for money on this train? Uh, like, how, how far would you go for money? And he, he he's very vaguely talking around. He's like, I won't do that thing you said. It's like very meatloaf about the whole thing. It was like, <laughs> what is she talking about? <laughs> and why won't he do it? But uh, yeah, like he's he's a struggling father who is offered an amount of money to find a specific person on this plane on this plane on this train <laughs> that's on a different the plane, movie un- <laughs> unknown was the plane one sorry yeah, that's the right. train one and he's doing all the vehicles <laughs> yeah. hovercraft up next <laughs> Liam Neeson on a hovercraft <laughs> but he uh, he he kind of accepts accepts it and then realises there's massive repercussions uh, to it well all people basically want to know is like you know <laughs> Liam Neeson kicking ass yep. is it worth going to see and they usually are to be fair yeah like I would say it, it's not a bad movie which in action films kind of terminology is good because like you don't want a really terrible action movie and he is Liam Neeson and he is himself in an action movie so uh, I think it's worth seeing if you don't mind kind of leaving your kind of uh, technical thought at the door because some of the things are a bit like what? Yeah. What's going on there? Don't yeah. worry about the plot too much yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson in a confined space any wolves in this one? Is he fighting wolves? <laughs> you know no you, and that was my favourite one The <laughs> yeah, Grey was, was There might as well have been though because like they could have thrown anything at him and he yeah. just thrown it out the window Maybe they'll be in the DVD extras um, So obviously your uh, full interview is up on Joe but uh, Laura we were saying you had the chance to meet mm-hmm. him as well and uh, just going back to those comments that he made uh, with Ryan Tubbert on the Late Late Show and there was definitely a, a mixed reaction uh, from that, basically describing the uh, accusations of uh, sexual abuse in Hollywood uh, as a witch hunt. Yeah. But um, you actually, you were talking to him about this earlier in the day uh, as well and he, he kind of, he had given you a different kind of answer. Yeah. There's a woman's movement and, and we guys have to be part of it. We yeah. just have to be. So I think we're going to live in very interesting times and and something very good and very positive is going to come out of it. Of course. It has to. I left that interview like fist pumping the air, being like, go on, Liam. And then the Late Late Show came on the television and all of Ireland was like, ah, Liam. Um, I thought what he said, like, was perfectly accurate and very empowering. And then for him to turn around and say some of the accusations were like, Childish and flip, like just like was just he was very flippant in his response. It's very disappointing. And I actually said like, oh, I have a really good interview coming up. And someone said to me, oh, is it just like damage control? Thinking I'd maybe met him on the Saturday, but uh, no, it was on the Friday before. So I don't know what happened in the day that he changed his mind and did a U-turn because it was bizarre. Yeah, because he gave uh, a really strong answer in your interview as well, and you also talked to him about. Uh gender pay inequality yeah. um, in Hollywood uh, as well but just in general um, yeah. and he had a really good answer about that as well Yeah so earlier in the week he had said that he thought it was disgraceful the gender pay gap but then admitted he wouldn't take a pay cut which I'm sure everybody else would agree to um, So I kind of remarkably honest <laughs> he's like no I'm not taking it Exactly and he was like no 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 I think he said 10 no's uh, we get it Liam um, so I had to pick him up on that obviously um, we have a massive focus on that on our site uh, but but I just phrased it in a certain way that like fair enough you're not going to take a pay cut but what is the solution and he like went on this massive ramble which was again very inspiring very powerful but just jarred completely with what he said that night 
very strange. Okay, well, you can check out both of those interviews. They're up on Joe and her. And uh, yeah, what's better than just one interview with Liam Neeson? It's loads of interviews with Liam Neeson. <laughs> Thank you enough for that, man. Uh, so The Commuter out in cinemas this Friday. The other uh, big release uh, this week is The Post, uh, starring two up-and-coming actors, uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. It must be precious cargo. Just government secrets. What's next? You are going to publish these documents. We could all go to prison. Trying to make sense of how you could just lie to us all. You can't do this. I'm not asking your permission. If we don't publish, we will lose. The country will lose. The Post. What are you so happy about? I always wanted to be part of a small rebellion. So this is set in the early 70s and uh, it's basically around the time that the Pentagon Papers um, in the States were being leaked to journalists. Uh, this kind of during the Vietnam War and basically revealed that uh, the US government knew that they could not win uh, this war. So the whole film is based around the premise of do we publish these papers? Can we do it? Because uh, Meryl Streep's character, she plays the owner of the Washington Post and Tom Hanks is her editor and they're at loggerheads. And uh, yeah, I think, Paul, like you had a chance to see this uh, film like immediately. This is just going to, obviously it's January, it's coming up to Oscar season, award season. So this is just like, hello, Oscars, we're over <laughs> here. But, uh, but in terms of fans going to see films at the cinema as well, this is just going to draw them in. It's set in the 70s, but it's extremely pertinent to the modern times in that it deals with themes you were saying, like censorship and the First Amendment and how the press is protected in America, particularly, and how keeping it separate from government. Um, in performance-wise, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Meryl Streep and Hanks, there's one scene in particular when they're introduced, and it's, again, like McDormand and Harrelson were talking, it is a masterclass in the sense that they're just so collaborative amongst themselves. There's no scene-stealing. And Streep really plays the character, her character, really, 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 really quietly. There's a strong strong iron will to her because on Hanks' side he has the ethics of do I publish do I not publish my reputation and at the time when the Washington Post it was the New York Times had ran a similar article and basically the premise that the Times were had an injunction placed on them by the government and if that was allowed to stand where does free speech stand and stuff like that so the Washington Post kind of nipped in while the uh, the New York Times was frozen so Hanks is basically dealing with I've got all my staff my career uh, you know, am I playing with fire here? Whereas Streep, she, uh, the, the Washington Post is a family-run uh, paper it was at the time. It's just about to float on the New York Stock Exchange. So she has to worry for investors and legacy and just like Hanks, the rest of the staff. And there's always obviously that commercial versus artistic, uh, you know, Passion. clash there is between the two of them. But the background to it is brilliant. And what they do really, really well is they have Tricky Dicky himself, the actual audio tapes of the Nixon recordings. Uh, and they interweave it really, really cleverly, uh, kind of understated as well. And aside from Hanks and Streep and Spielberg, because let's face it, Spielberg is as big as raw as any of them else, it's the cast around it that really bring it to life. I found Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad. His scenes were fantastic. And obviously, the, all of us here are journalists and stuff. But you really do get a sense that, yeah, these characters are really, really believe in their craft. They're willing to defend it. And it is as boring as it seems like sitting around talking about stories and script and we have to publish Spielberg is so good that he does create a sense of tension in it 
and there's lovely little touches throughout like I know Owen we were talking about like the kid making money while they're all kind of gathered around the room I'm not going to rhyme too much of it but there's kind of a an important uh, piece of the plot and the way it's filmed it's kind of like earth shaking uh, in more ways than one but there's so many little moments like that that I, I, I was kind of left thinking about it for a long time after yeah like uh, we did mention there at the start uh, it is it's directed by Steven Spielberg you know and um, it's been a couple of years it was BFG and Bridge of Spies uh, his most recent ones and I know he's got Ready Player One coming out as well but this it may not be kind of vintage Spielberg but you know Steven Spielberg uh, anything he does there are just those moments of magic in it as you said those little details and of course his draw in terms of yes you have Hanks and Streep in there but you're right uh, that supporting cast because you have Bob Odenkirk uh, you've got David Cross oh, he was great, in yeah. there as well uh, Michael Stuhlbarg Bruce Greenwood and it's all these character actors who uh, and comedians <laughs> who uh, you know you're like is that them and they're just and they're given everything to Spielberg and every single one of them. And a brilliant performance from uh, Jesse Plemons, who most people would know as Meth Damon from uh, Breaking Bad. And he's in there as well. And it's just whenever uh, it's a cast or, uh, you know, just all delivering at once. No, it really, really, uh, as I said, not, not vintage Spielberg, but uh, a very, very uh, enjoyable trip to the cinema. Definitely. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, Lincoln. It was like st- mm-hmm. a really interesting historical thing that you think you know really well and almost played out like a thriller. Um, <clears throat> it was great to see to see Street play someone who was a little bit weaker than we're normally used to seeing her because normally Street is like front and centre and t- taking up everything. Uh, and it covers the sexism angle really well, which is also super pertinent today. But uh, it it does remind me of how you thought Three Billboards is gonna was gonna go. It'll get like six nominations and win none of them. Okay, <laughs> that's the positive spirit we're looking for. And and on a plus note, it does make me want to go and watch an all-time classic thriller, which is All the President's Men. After watching it, so you will be in a mood to go and watch does, that. Robert it does Redford lead classic. directly into it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Again, uh, yeah, not a brilliant uh, double bill. Uh, they definitely make. Why am I speaking like Yoda? <laughs> you know, just, like, just do your words in the right because order. Star Wars is great. Yeah. But no, you're right. It's about printing papers and stories and Spielberg somehow just makes that the most tense thing in the world. So, no, I would say highly recommend it. And even though we have talked about it already, Coco, it is number two in the Irish box office in cinemas at the moment. Its official release is actually this Friday, so it's been on previews. Every year, grandkids, cousins... Pretty much everyone gets together. Even great-grandma Coco. And the winner is... Luchadora Coco! I tell her pretty much everything. I used to run like this, but now I run like this, it's just way faster. Life sounds like... Miguel, eat your food. Here, have some more. No, gracias. (gasps) I mean, see? (laughs) That's what I thought you said. Dia de los Muertos has begun. It's the one night of the year our ancestors can come visit us. I thought it might have been one of those made-up things. I was just... Tonight is about family. I am not like the rest of my family. There's something that makes me different. Great-great-grandfather, I want to be a musician just like you. Laura, we know uh, you cry <laughs> a lot at the films, so do I, that's fine. Um, and we know that this is another, uh, you know, brilliant recommendation as well. But you were actually in Mexico whenever the yeah. film was released. It was like about two weeks before it released. And well, this is how committed the Big Review Ski <laughs> team are. We will go to the country of origin there. for every, every release. I just feel like... Um, the way it was like everyone was so excited about it in Mexico and they obviously cherished that kind of 
time, you know, the day of the dead. Say it again, Rory. Dias de los muertes. That's it. Um, <laughs> we like, go over to Spanish correspondent. It just makes me a little bit sad as to like, imagine they did like a St. Patrick's Day Pixar movie. It would be, just be nothing compared to like celebrating something in Mexico. They'd make a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> they might have to up the certificate on the film. Yeah. I know, but like Mexicans are so proud of that and uh, the music, the colour, the storyline, Coco is like just amazing. It is the biggest uh, box office earner in the entire history of cinema in Mexico. Holy moly. Which is saying a lot considering Cuaron and Del Toro and mm. they've got so many brilliant films as well. Yeah, just like of any film ever. Like it, it was the Avengers and now it's Coco. So it's a really strong release for films. So if you yeah. are heading to the cinema this weekend, uh, there's a good selection uh, that are uh, out already. But jeekers, if you can go to the cinema three times, go and see The Post, Coco. Do you go and see The Commuter? Or do you go and see The Post mm. again? I'd go see The Commuter. Go see The Commuter as well. See, it's fun, yeah, I but think it's really stupid. Oh, yeah, totally stupid. And the ending is poor. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that a lot of people see an animation and go, mm, animation not for me. But for this, I think Coco, you need to just take your adult hat off because we all love an animation and people want to admit it. But um, I'd admit it, yeah. No. I know, but, but some people are snobby. But that's what Pixar, uh, that's what they've perfected over yeah. the years is that... Uh, it's that old cliche of something for the kids and something mm-hmm. for the adults, yep. but this is more. Pixar always offered that little bit more. Um, I remember Inside Out. It's not for kids. It's just for emotional adults. But uh, not no, for me. That was super <laughs> not for kids though. Inside Out is like no. it's way above their IQ level. <laughs> oh, sorry to all the kids out there who Rory thinks are not smart. <laughs> um, so as well as the cinematic releases each week, we're going to be making uh, recommendations of films you can watch at home. Uh, so whether you're watching them on Netflix or Film Four or TBBC, uh, definitely do not illegally stream anything. Oh. Definitely not. But uh, yeah, so like little hidden gems that are there for you to check out. Uh, so Paul, what have you been looking at this week? So I stopped watching Mac and Me and decided <laughs> I would... It's a miracle. Exactly. Watch uh, something which is uh, inferior to it, let's face it. But no, the film I'm going for this week is a little hidden gem called Eye in the Sky featuring Helen Mirren. And basically, I, there's a piece on site about it. For me, it's one of the finest representations of modern warfare. And it's one of those films which I love that you leave the cinema after watching it and you really think about your own kind of morality and what you would have done in that situation and you kind of invest and like if I was there would I have done the same thing and it kind of stays with you for a while essentially it's about drone warfare in Kenya I think it was Helen Mirren is a UK um, military general and she's overseeing a drone operation in a bunker in an unnamed place in, in the UK which is essentially what modern warfare is the kind of traditional World War II same Private Ryan boots in the ground not so much done as we all know before they're about to hit the strike button from Aaron Paul's drone pilot in a remote location in America a little girl an innocent civilian wanders into the strike zone and it plays out like a really really tense episode of 24 but obviously like you've got we were mentioned Nixon his cabinet you have the and Kennedy's the Hawks and the the Doves in any military cabinet you'd be like do we take preactive operation do we kill can we kill this little girl and then there are other people saying you can't do it cost of war and it all comes down essentially to Aaron Paul will he pull the trigger and it's tense it's thrilling but it's really really you'll, you'll think a lot about it what you would do and I just highly recommend it 
Yeah, so Eye in the Sky released a couple of years ago and uh, I know we were speaking about tension uh, earlier on, not between any of us, but in the post. But it uh, it's available to watch where? It's on Netflix to watch right now and it could be actually on Amazon as well to stream, I think, as well. So Because it's just, it's just been released uh, on Netflix as well. As you said, uh, it's a lovely way to mark uh, the two-year kind of anniversary of Alan Rickman, uh, one of the greatest screen presences. Um, and this was, he's quite funny in, and droll in this role uh, as well. I'm not going to rhyme the rest of the uh, the podcast. It's just <laughs> rolling this roll. But uh, Eye in the Sky, uh, definitely recommended to watch at home. Okay, so just before we finish up uh, the first episode of The Big Review Ski, we want to give away some prizes. Woohoo! Woo! No. Please don't whoop. It's not to anybody here. <laughs> it's to uh, everybody listening. So um, each week we're going to be giving away tickets, merchandise uh, for upcoming films for Irish premieres. And released on the 2nd of February is Den of Thieves. If you like your cops and robbers and your goodies and baddies, uh, you're going to have to choose a side because Jared Butler and Fitty Scent uh, are on opposite sides of the law. Uh, it's a new heist thriller. Um, and Rory, actually, you we, we will have interviews with the stars of the film coming up as well because you had a chance to meet them. I did. But that will all be revealed. But um, to mark the release of Den of Thieves in Ireland, we've teamed up with STX International and uh, there's going to be an exclusive Dublin screening taking place uh, on Tuesday the 30th of January. So all you have to do to be in with a chance of winning some tickets is you don't have to steal them. Like the, that, that would have been interesting we just said just try and steal them <laughs> like 50 cents in the film but uh, we've got uh, yeah so each week we're going to be giving you uh, something called a high clue now just stay with me here for a second okay oh, I, I no, just stay with these. me okay I love these so a high clue is basically a riddle a really short riddle uh, in which there's a film hidden and you have to guess the film from the clues. So uh, just in case you're not aware of Japanese literature, uh, a haiku is... <laughs> That's uh, our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please tune into the big haiku. <laughs> no, but there's... Uh, a haiku is essentially three lines. You've got five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the middle line and five syllables in the final line. And uh, you don't need to really worry about that. All you have to do is get the clue and we want you to let us know what is the answer to the high clue. And if you get it right, if you guess the film correctly, you will be in with a chance of winning some tickets to that. So uh, I tried to show Laura, Paul and <laughs> Rory high clues before. There was a mixed reaction. Um, but no, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a couple as, as an example, just so people get an idea of yes. what they are. Basically, just treat it as like uh, <laughs> a riddle and you have to guess the film. It's that easy. Go first. Okay, so here we go. Jack's blue in the face. I got it. Okay. Wow. Wait, okay, quick. okay, let's do, let's do the rest. Let's do the rest. Jack's blue in the face. He draws her like a French girl. Yes, I got oh. it. Okay, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read out the full thing. The first one. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's one. I told you this one. Jack and Beanstalk. Okay, it's marking me. Jack's blue in the face. He draws her like a French girl. Heart of the Ocean. Obviously. Okay, after three. If <laughs> you say Mike and oh. me, one, two, three. <laughs> Titanic. Okay, and everyone's doing it individually. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that one like really, really easy. Um, okay, okay, here's another one. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, get busy living. Red's already a free man. Got it. 
That would be, oh, no. that would be the Shawshank Redemption, yes. I would imagine. It is. So, like, yeah. if you're going through them, so the first one, Titanic, Jack's blue in the face, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack. <laughs> uh, he draws like a French girl. These are very on the nose, these ones. They are, there are more difficult ones, trust me. Um, and Heart of the Ocean. And then, yeah, so the Shawshank Redemption, Get Busy Living, famous quote from it. Red's already a free man. Morgan Freeman and Say What I Know which uh, of course if you've seen the film you get that That name reference. will always stay with me Say What I Know it'll yeah, just stay with me exactly so this week episode one of the Big Review Ski our high clue and we'll put this up on uh, our Twitter and Facebook as well um the high clue that we've gone for this week so no, we're don't, not don't allowed to you're, not, you're not allowed to answer can say, this okay? can we say if we have it or not just to be annoying to you. Yeah, but let me finish it first. Like, I'm going to write like, down what I, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I take a breath and it's like, I've got it. Give me I've got it. These are all shit. It's mocking me. They're too yeah, easy. I was so bad the first time. I was really proud. Okay. I just said it took us 10 minutes to get the concept. <laughs> Please. I hope everybody understands this. Okay, so here we go. It's worth it. Right, the me. satisfaction you get when you get it right is great. Hit me. Um, okay, so colourful surname. American David Brent. I have it. I said, don't do that. <laughs> okay, so, colourful surname, American David Brent, Andy Dufresne guests. Okay, everybody's writing it down. Okay, so you all got it. Then. I got it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as I said, we'll put that up online anyway. It's... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah there, <laughs> and there it is. So, you could be in with a chance of winning those tickets. As I said, it'll be up on our Twitter, which is at Big Review Ski, up on Facebook, at Big Review Ski. Whatever you do, don't go to at the Big Review Ski, because some other... Age- Talk that one. I have to find out where he lives. And uh, no, I can't. Get Liam Neeson. Oh, get Liam Neeson. One hundred percent. So um, that pretty much wraps it up for episode one of the Big Review Ski. Uh, Rory, Paul, Laura, what are you all off to do now? <laughs> uh, probably go see more films more for, for next more week's films. episode. Paul's going to see Star Wars. Great work. I'm going to go watch the interviews from Liam Neeson. Be terrified for the rest of the day. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, that about wraps it up for the Big Review Ski this week. Thanks for listening to episode one, Laura, Paul, Rory. Thanks for being here thank you and everyone thank you for listening as well and downloading Uh, do get in touch with us at uh, Big Review Ski on Twitter at Big Review Ski on Facebook and on WhatsApp it's 087 400 1103 if you agree disagree as we said if you want to hurl abuse at Paul he's got very thick skin (laughs) he's absolutely (laughs) fine with that and uh, yeah don't forget to get in touch and let us know what the answer of the high clue is or uh, if you just don't understand the high clue get in touch and we'll just explain it again <laughs> anyway on Twitter. but yeah no thanks for listening uh, the big review ski uh, every Thursday every film uh, we'll see you next week bye 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 bye